This segment of the Alvin Galloway Show is an encore broadcast. to the Alvin Galloway Show here on Radio Phoenix on this great Sunday afternoon. And this segment of the show will have women veterans and we'll be featuring Sabrina Douglas and Bernice Lido. And we'll talk a little bit more with them uh, after we hear Four Women. My skin is black. My arms are long My head is woolly My back is strong Strong enough to take the pain Inflicted again and again what do they call me? My name is Hansarah. My name is Hansarah. Hansarah.
Simone song and uh, that is featuring Lisa Simone, Diane Reeves, Liz Wright, and Angelique Kidju. And this is the Alvin Galloway Show here on Radio Phoenix. And in the studio I have Captain uh, Bernice Lido, uh, Sergeant uh, Sabrina A. Douglas. I remember the last time I put an L or something in there. Uh, <laughs> And we're uh, having a segment on women veterans and um, wanted to have this uh, segment to talk about the contribution of women who have served in the military and uh, served the country and served the country well. And we have just uh, celebrated Veterans Day, uh, Armistice Day, and uh, wanted to hear a little bit from them. And so we'll start out with the captain. Captain Lytle, and uh, tell us how you uh, got into the Army, how long you were in the Army, and what, what, yeah, what made you decide to, to get into the Army? Um, I, was in high, I was in high school, and my dad said, you have to go to college somewhere. <laughs> and so the options of what, I think what was out there to, to go into, probably like in the 60s was, 
cosmetology or some of that stuff. And mm. I didn't know anything about that. So uh, one of the recruiters came to the school and he said that you could go into the army, you would learn how to swim, and you'd stay in a hotel. You'd stay in a hotel. I had, not done, I had not done any of that, so I thought, oh, let me just try this. <laughs> so I told my, my parents, and um, they were okay with it, because mm -hmm. I guess if it didn't work, I had to go to college. So. Okay. Now, where were you, where were you <clears throat> born and raised? I was uh, born in Arkansas. It's a little town called Amancy. It's just across the ridge from Memphis, Tennessee, about 15 minutes. Oh, okay. All right. And uh, did you have any other siblings that went into the military? Or, I or do. I have uh, two brothers and myself and a sister oh, okay. that were in the military. Mm -hmm. And how long were you in? 23 years. 23 years. That's that's quite a while. Mm -hmm. So what what types of things did you do while you were in the military? Um, I went in during the... Uh, um, in the 60s, right after high school, and we were um, at at the peak of the Tet Offensive, and um, I went in then. So when we went in, um, it was like we hit the ground running because uh, the turnaround time for men to go to Vietnam was uh, really short because they were short of soldiers going. So the women went in to relieve uh, in some of the duties that they could perform in. Uh, and they relieved the men so that they could uh, take that tour in Vietnam. And um, when you, uh, so what were some of the challenges that you uh, experienced? Uh, well, yeah. we were in the group for the first 40 women to be assigned to special forces, although we didn't do, we didn't jump, I mean, we didn't have to do any of that, but the women could. Um, we, were, we were at Fort Bragg, so the women could join the Golden Knights, I think it was. And you could jump, but you didn't jump for the military. I mean, you weren't like a, a paratrooper or jump for the military. Mm. Did you jump? No, I jumped <laughs> from the top bunk to the bottom. <laughs> oh, but my uh, battle buddy, which we are still really good friends now, she did. Oh, okay. She jumped and she also helped uh, pack parachutes. Mm. That, that, not that. me. <laughs> they said not you. <laughs> okay, uh, Sergeant uh, Douglas. So tell us a little about yourself. Well, I joined um, in New York City. I had left college after two years. I knew I wasn't doing the right thing, so I knew I needed to go back home. But when I got home, I didn't like what was happening at home. Mm -hmm. And I did a friend a favor, and it cost me eight years. She asked me, when you when you come out of basic training, you can go home for 30 days to do recruiting duty because you're the best person to recruit someone else in your neighborhood. Mm. They see you. They look up to you. So my girlfriend asked me if I would go with her to the recruiting station. She was late for work. And I said, sure, no problem. But when I got there, he said, well, we need you to take a test. And in my mind, I was thinking, I'm here. I can't lie because yeah. it's her job. So mm. I took the test, and the guy said, um, the recruiter said, Oh, you did better than most men ever do coming in here. I could get you a really good job. So now my mind is going really fast because I'm thinking, <laughs> I still don't like what's happening at home, but this sounds pretty good. All right. He said, um, we can get you a really good job. And so I said, okay, and I signed up. He said, um, at the time they had what was called delayed entry, mm -hmm. and you could take up to a year before you could go in. And I told him, if you wait a year, I don't know where I would be. 
And so he said, how about in five days? (laughs) (laughs) It went from a year to five days. (laughs) I said, okay. And I went home and I told my mother. And then I called my grandmother who lived in Alabama. And she said, the man's army? And I said, my dear, they have women in the army. I didn't bother to explain. They've always been in there. But (laughs) so I did. I went in. Okay. and what, and what types of things did you do when you were in the I was an in intelligence service? analyst mm-hmm. and a cryptologist. Oh. So <laughs> you were an intelligence analyst? Yeah, I was an intelligence analyst. Oh, I figured okay. you were based on what you were saying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But see, if we tell you more, we would have to kill you. Had to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't want to be killed today. <laughs> <laughs> but I really mm-hmm. do think it was a good decision because, mm-hmm. I, like I said, I left college. I didn't want to mess over my scholarship. So Mm -hmm. having had two years of college, it meant that I did get a better job going in. And as a woman, I actually had to have a high school diploma at the least. A man could go in with a GED or to get his GED. So I had two years of college, and that did get me a great job. I served in um, Fort Hood, Texas, um, Torrey Station, Okinawa, Japan. Had a baby there. Had two babies while I was in the Army. Okay. And came back to New Jersey. And that's where I got out as a staff sergeant. So you're, you're, that's where you're raised in New Jersey? I was raised in Alabama. Oh, Alabama. And okay. then high school in New York. Okay. So I was going back and forth. I kind of could, I was that teenager that couldn't make up her mind. Mm-hmm. I loved Alabama. Mm-hmm. It was a little slow. And then I mm-hmm. did high school in New York and it was a little fast. Right. So there had to be something <laughs> in the middle. And you know what's in the middle? St. Louis, Missouri. Oh. St. Louis. Fort Lost in the <laughs> yeah, Woods, yeah. misery. Because uh, 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 <laughs> <laughs> you lived it. Didn't you live in St. Louis for Bernice? there for 40 years. Oh, wow. Mm. Yeah, so, you know, that's in the middle of the United States. Mm-hmm. And that slowed everything down, yes, and it yeah. wasn't too slow. It was just right. Right. I can remember in basic training, you know, the first night or two, the first day or two, they're giving you all your everything all mm. the way down. Mm. Everything you wear, they give you. And, um, you know, it took all day, and the men had to get their haircuts and different things like that. So about, I guess, 3 o'clock in the morning, they said, okay, go to bed, and we'll see you in a couple hours. So I told all the women in our barracks, I said, we just got here. They just let us go to bed. There is no way they're waking us up at 5 (laughs) o'clock. So you thought... Yeah, they never took my word for nothing after that. Because at 5 o'clock they came in there with those big trash, metal trash cans and Mm. big old sticks and beaten. You can't sleep through that. Right, right. (laughs) So Uh, they know uh, how to get you up. Absolutely. How was was your basic training? Well, uh, we got there like at night. Mm -hmm. And so I had problems uh, even leaving because when I uh, got to the airport, the guy said, "Uh, where are you going? And I said, I'm going in the military. And he like, and so he just laughed at me, and he says, where's your parents? So they're at home. I'm 18. <laughs> so then I had to prove to them that I had some credentials, and mm-hmm. I had driver's license, so then I was able to go. But he didn't think I was old enough to go. Oh, okay. And so uh, when I got there, this shows my immaturity. When I got there, the lady was, we, it was kind of dark, and so she was saying, she looked at me and she said, what do you have in your mouth? I said, gum. So she had to say that four times. And then she was, she was already touching my nose. And so then I face. realized, swallow. 
<laughs> the gum was the object of the discussion. Yes, of course I didn't know you could. <laughs> and I was in trouble from there on. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, this sounds interesting. This is the Alvin Galloway <laughs> Show. We're going to have to discuss more of that trouble. This is the Alvin Galloway Show here on RadioPhoenix.org. This, this is, is Basement, Basement Tapes. Tapes. You're listening to the Alvin Galloway Show. Stay tuned as you tune in for an intellectual tune-up. The Alvin Galloway Show for conversation, information, music, and culture. Every Sunday, 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. on RadioPhoenix.org. And tune in to Basement Tapes Radio, Thursdays at 9 p.m. One way you can support Radio Phoenix is by becoming one of our members. For as little as $35 per year, members receive discounts, savings, and other benefits provided by our membership program partners. And don't forget the membership fee is tax deductible. For more information or to sign up, call 480-829-5746. Or go online to RadioPhoenix.org, click on the support tab at the top, and then become a member on the drop-down menu. We thank you for your generous support of Community Radio.
you're listening to Matthew Hassel, a gentleman from Great Britain. And uh, that was the journey home here on the Alvin Galloway Show. And I'm with uh, retired Captain Bernice Lytle and retired Sergeant Sabrina Douglas. And uh, we're talking about women veterans and some of the experiences that they have. Now, we have a great conversation off offline uh, talking about how uh, Captain Lytle will get in trouble <laughs> chewing, <laughs> chewing gum and having a conversation. And, and, I mean, you, you don't have to tell it all, but just tell a little bit about your your experience of uh, when you were your captain at the, the drill center, whoever the person no, was. No, uh, I was a private. Oh, you're private. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And the person that was trying to get you in line <laughs> of uh, stop talking or whatever you're doing. Oh, oh. Uh, we were, uh, you have bed check. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I think I was in need for it or something. You have bed check and then the sergeant comes around and uh, check the bed and, you know, make sure everybody's in. You're not uh, out somewhere <laughs> in the exit trying to sneak out. <laughs> so, uh, I was talking about this sergeant, and uh, I said, this lady has the biggest feet I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and so I had an audience. <laughs> was that was good there. So I was doing all the animating. I'm, I talk with my hands, so I'm trying to be careful that I don't knock the microphone away. But anyway, I was really talking about it. So she's like, this wide and this short, but her feet are so long. <laughs> So it was so quiet in the room. Everybody's eyes was just on me, but I thought they were. I thought I was. It was my performance that was going was, on. Right? He, was, he was entertaining. Yeah, it was entertaining. the <laughs> Unbeknownst oh, to you. Unbeknownst to me. So, so finally, I thought, oh, something is not right. Nobody's laughing. Nobody's doing anything. So the sergeant was standing there. <laughs> and I was like in trouble as usual. <laughs> so she said, Lytle, come with me. So I just turned and looked at my friends, call my parents, because I'm going to die. <laughs> I will not be back. <laughs> uh, and I thought that I would be shining her shoes <laughs> for the rest of my stay on the post. <laughs> uh, I, she. I'm sure someone had talked about her feet before, but she did have shiny shoes every day. She so did have shiny shoes. She took me shoes. into her room, which I thought I probably would never come out. I would just die in there. She told me to look under the bed and get that machine that was under the bed, and it was a shoe shiner. Mm-hmm. Then she gave me this look, and she said, go to bed. <laughs> shoe shiner. <laughs> And you uh, lived to tell the story. Yeah, you <laughs> lived to tell the story. <laughs> uh, interesting, interesting. So, you know, you were talking about, you know, some people when they uh, come into the military, they have no experiences of seeing other people of, a, of the races. And that's what the military does is bring a whole different group of people together that they have to learn to operate uh, together and to survive because That's without true. without each other they're you know up yeah. the creek i had a <clears throat> there were about six of us in basic training six females mm-hmm. we were actually one of the first companies that had three squads of men and one squad of women mm-hmm. in basic training 
and um, we all hung out together. You know, you kind of make a pact. We're going to get through this together. And mm-hmm. there were probably two whites, three or four blacks, and one Puerto Rican that had come from New York with me. And we hung out the whole six weeks together. At the end, we're all crying. We're changing, exchanging phone numbers and things. And the one white lady from Minnesota said, I had never seen any black people until I got to basic training. Mm-hmm. She said, and my grandmother told me, don't go near the blacks. Hmm. She said, but when I go home, I'm going to tell them what wonderful people you guys were. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, that was it, pretty it, awesome. yeah, it changes a lot of uh, attitudes, yeah. um, uh, stereotypes that people have. Changes mm-hmm. some. Changes some, right. Yes. Yeah, some st- Let's call it what it is. Yeah, some hold on to it. it's a microcosm right. of the United States. Right, so right. So whatever's <laughs> happening in the United mm-hmm. States is probably happening in the military. Absolutely, absolutely. I remember, um in fact, I had uh, a young lady named Sharon Cini, uh Sharon Cini Pinto, and she's a uh, Navajo Hopi, but she's also the uh, manager for... Uh, uh, diversity and dialogue with City of Scottsdale, and she told me about when she went into uh, the military that she that was her first experience. <clears throat> she she seen you know black people before, but that was her, her first experience being in, in you know in in close uh, mm-hmm. vicinity with them and learning. So um, they some of the folks that uh, she became really good friends with. Uh, um, you know, and as you said, you know, it, it opens people's eyes about the different cultures, a different uh, way to do things, and it changes some. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and others, you know, they they still want to stay in that little box of yeah. uh, of uh, bigotry or, or racism or whatever it is. Sexism. So, sexism. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Because it is still a man army. <clears throat> right. Right. Much. Now, what? Um, so when you guys went in. Um, it's not. It's not as when we're not as prevalent prevalent as they are now. How was that getting through that time? You know, as a woman, um, it was a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> I, I could tell you a couple of stories that I could say on the radio. Okay. Um, one of them was that some some women were not going to give up their makeup, mm. and when you go out into the um, field which is just somewhere out and back somewhere, for two or three days, you probably don't want to bring your foundation with you. Mm-hmm. Foundation is that makeup, Floyd, that you put on mm. before you put on the other stuff. But anyway, we had one woman who could not live without her foundation, and we only got a bucket, a helmet size amount of water every day to do mm-hmm. what we needed to do. And on the third day, a couple of the drill sergeants. I told you they weren't going to listen to me anymore, but mm. it's not true. They made me a squad leader. The drill sergeants <laughs> pulled me to the side, and they said, um, you got to talk to her because we could chisel that stuff off of her face, yeah. and everybody's tired of looking at it. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, I'm not wearing makeup. Well, I got to talk to her. <laughs> I don't even hardly wear chapstick, so what, mm. at that time I didn't. Mm-hmm. But I had to talk to her. And there were things that men or male drill sergeants did not remember or even think about that they had to, that they were going to encounter with women. Mm-hmm. So we had an issue with, again, being out there in the field for long periods of time. And what they do is they tell you, 
light them if you've got them. That means you can smoke. Mm. They tell you when to smoke. Or, you know, you could take a bathroom break or whatever. But they weren't giving the women enough bathroom breaks. Mm -hmm. And so I had to pull my drill sergeant aside and I had to explain to him that sometimes women have to go to the bathroom when you don't tell us to go to the bathroom. And he said, Williamson, you're right. I got a wife. I know exactly what you're about to say. He said, I'm not about to say what you think I'm about to say. <laughs> he said, well, I know what you're talking about. He said, from now on, if they need anything, they can come to you. I was thinking, oh, God. <laughs> See, that's when you stop opening, raising your hand and opening uh, your mouth. Because you're thinking, now I'm in charge of the women. Right, not right. Not always fun. Mm. Not always fun. Right. Well, this is the uh, Alva Galloway Show. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back. This segment of the Alvin Galloway Show is an encore broadcast.
All right, this is the Alvin Galloway Show, and you're listening to uh, Johnny Griffin and Matthew G. Twist City here on RadioPhoenix.org, and I'm with Captain, retired Captain Bernice Lido and Sergeant Sabrina A. Douglas, and we're here uh, talking about women in the military uh, and veterans who have served our country and we got, well, I tell you, you have me cracking up here while we're offline. Ms. <laughs> Lila's talking about how she's biting down on a dentist's hand, trying to get her, trying to get her tooth out because she has some cake she need to get to. <laughs> oh my goodness, you guys are hilarious. Um, we should write a book. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, y'all should. Y'all should. We could tell. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I tell you, this is too much. Now when. Uh, you guys served overseas. I said you have been in uh, what's Korea. So tell us some of the places that you've been. Um, have you served in? Military. My first duty station was Fort Hood, Texas, and mm-hmm. I actually traded orders for Fort Hood, Texas. Nobody trades orders for Fort Hood, Texas. What's, Not what does that mean? In their right mind. <coughs> what does that well, mean? First of all, on? nobody wants to go to Fort Hood, Texas. Okay. And so to trade orders, um, when I finished my schooling, I came down on orders to go to Germany. And I wasn't, I didn't think I was ready to leave the United States. Mm -hmm. So, and then I think I had a boyfriend too. And he was moving (coughs) north Texas. I was in South Texas. He was moving up to the area near Fort Hood. So I traded orders. And it actually turned out to be a good thing because three months later, I came down on orders for Japan. And that was somewhere I really wanted to go. Mm -hmm. So it was a really good thing. But um, I did... South Korea, Tegu, South Korea. That's where I did my primary leadership training. Or um, Okinawa, Japan, Tori Station. You probably see sometimes on some of the old war movies. Mm. And um, that was a lot of fun. Three years, different (coughs) army bases. They have several different army bases there in um, Okinawa. And my oldest son was born in Okinawa. So when he was growing up in school, he used to like to tell or bring me in as show and tell to tell people that he was born in Japan, Uh (laughs) that he was Japanese. And then um, I did temporary duty in um, Egypt. Okay. So So how how did you like those different places? That where would you say was your favorite uh, place that you? uh, I would say Okinawa, Japan. Okinawa. It was three years of the Japanese, learning about the Japanese, living on the Japanese economy for a while, which Mm. meant I didn't live on base. Mm. And then we eventually moved on base, so that meant we weren't spending as much money, Mm -hmm. and we could spend it off base buying stuff. Oh, okay. And Mm. you could also travel, (coughs) Guam, the Philippines, Korea, Mm. and mainland Japan. So mm. I would have to say Okinawa, Japan. Okay. Plus, you know, the Karate Kid movie is from <laughs> Okinawa, <Right. Japan. laughs> Okay. And Bernice, uh, were you in different locations? Well, in the 60s, uh, Hawaii was considered uh, not in the lower 48. Mm-hmm. Mm. So it was considered overseas. So that was like my first assignment. And the reason I want to talk about that one is because... Um, I I went in during the Tet Offensive, and so my job was to um, scrub the list for the, the men that was going to Vietnam. And that was my job, and so I got my orders uh, directly from the Pentagon. So now I wanted to go somewhere, and of course, they didn't have anywhere for me to go, so being who I am, <laughs> I was in military intelligence school, and I decided I was going to the Pentagon to get my own assignment. 
Uh-oh. So <laughs> I went to the Pentagon yeah. on my day off. Of course, I was with, I had the Kennedy, the flaming piss pot, the airborne patch on my shoulder, which got everybody's attention. Mm-hmm. And they were looking at me, and I was looking at the place where the assignments were. And since I had learned something that the best sergeant, you know, in the world, Sergeant Livingston, who is still living, hats off to Sergeant Livingston, um, they said they didn't have any place for me to go. I could either go to Vietnam or to Hawaii. So I wanted to go to Vietnam because I wanted to, uh, if I went, my brother would not have had to go, but he was already uh, shipping out. Mm. So the next uh, possible place for me to go uh, would be to Hawaii because my orders uh, while I was in school was for Japan. And they said that because of my training and what I had been exposed to at that time, I couldn't go to Japan. Mm. So... I went <clears throat> to uh, Pentagon f- to assignments, and since I knew what to do, and I sent the guy to the Pentagon, I made sure he put my name, my social security number, everything that I needed to get to Hawaii, and that was my duty station. <laughs> so you stood over him, make sure, <laughs> and said, yeah, "You're gonna write this out." <laughs> I showed him what to do because he wanted to go to. He was retiring or finishing up his time and he wanted to go to the Pentagon before he got out of the service. Oh, okay. So it was a good deed for a good deed. A good deed for a good deed. That's true. Now, how, how did you both wind up here in Arizona? Did you come through the military to, to Arizona or just? I did. I did three weeks at Fort Huachuca. Oh, Again, okay. I'll have to kill you. <laughs> <I'm telling> you <laughs> <why>. <laughs> Don't tell me. <laughs> but no, my inter- interrogation school is in Fort Huachuca. Mm. <clears throat> and so I opted not to go to um, DLI, which is Defense Language Institute in Monterey, California. That's why I took the cryptology course. Mm. And because I was a cryptologist, I needed to learn how to interrogate people. It was the first time I ever got a chance to fly in a helicopter with no doors, or do helicopters have doors? I don't know. I think so. Yeah, I think so. I don't know, but it was kind of freaky. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because you're supposed to be doing a certain thing, (laughs) and they were swooping you around. But I came out here in um, three months after I'd had a baby, Mm -hmm. and it was winter back in New Jersey. And it was very nice in November here. Oh, and, you know, it started out a little cool like it is now. Right. And then mm-hmm. by noon, you know, we were trying to turn those heaters off in the tents and get out of all those green clothes we had on, those wool clothes. Mm-hmm. And when I was here, I thought, well, I could raise some kids here. If I could get up out of the snow and snow suits and having to put salt <coughs> in the trunk of my car so it wouldn't hydroplane, I could live in a, in Arizona. I didn't know Phoenix. Oh, okay. But mm-hmm. this is what brought me out here. Okay. Uh, I as well. The climate, because I, I had some problems uh, going when I went to Hawaii, climatizing, and I had gotten sick over there. And uh, when I came back, I didn't climatize back. Mm-hmm. I, I still have problems with that today. So I came out here, my fiancé, it was my fiancé, yeah. um, and I loved it. And I'm like, oh, I'm not going back there. It's too <laughs> cold back there. Mm-hmm. And I can do heat better than I could cold, so I just stayed out here and continued my military career and whatever. Right, right. And I've been here 42 years. Wow. That's that's some time. I have to say that Bernice uh, was one of the first black people 
I seen outside of my school, uh, college, when I when I came here to go to school, because I had some friends that lived down the street from her, and I would pass by her house, and I said, oh, wow, there are black folks here that live in, <laughs> in homes here, and I waved to her and everything. Then years later, find out it was Bernice Lytle. <laughs> <laughs> and we all go to the same church. And we, go to, we all go to the same church. I tell you, you know, the God makes works in mysterious ways. So now, let me ask you... Well, let me do this first. Uh, this is the Alvin Galloway Show here on Radio Phoenix. Are you still haunted by that old love that's hanging around your driveway? Is your front yard cluttered with the remains of an old romance? Are the neighbors starting to shake their heads because you just can't let go? Then it's time to get rid of that old car boat, motorcycle, or anything else with a motor. And no, we are not taking your lawnmowers. For a tax deduction for you and a charitable contribution to Radio Phoenix. Now, for more information about Radio Phoenix's CARS donation program, just call 1-877-919-7749. Again, that's one 1- Eight seven seven nine one nine seven seven four nine. Radio Phoenix and your neighbors, thank you in advance. Absolutely. Hey there, it's your girl, Lady T, the Alvin Galloway Show. Stay tuned as you tune in for an intellectual tune-up, the Alvin Galloway Show for conversation, information, music, and culture every Sunday, 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Mountain Standard Time on RadioPhoenix.org. Catch him before you catch me, Lady T, on Don't Disturb This Groove. Now, uh, you know, recently there's been a lot of news uh, about the veterans uh, benefits or the veterans, the way <coughs> veterans are treated, I say in the hospitals and everything, and especially here in, in Phoenix, you had a, a large VA hospital um, that veterans go to, and it seems like it's always something in the news about it. What is your feeling about um, how veterans are treated? Um, do they get the respect that they need to? Do they get the treatment that they need to, the support that they need to? Well, first of all, we know that Vietnam vets didn't get any respect. Mm -hmm. And so to you, Captain Lytle, I say, welcome home. Welcome home. We didn't tell them welcome home. Right. We treated them like the bottom of our shoe. And so there, there is respect for us as veterans. There, there are a lot of people who respect us. But I think that we are a part of an institution and there are a lot of things that need to be corrected. Mm -hmm. And I, I spoke earlier about a little bit of, about sexism, but it is something that is rampant, both as active duty and something you still run into when you go. When I go to a doctor's appointment, I had um, breast cancer twice, and I'm up there for treatment to see an oncologist or something. And first, if they would stop talking to my significant other mm. and talk to me, he didn't serve. Mm. I served. Mm -hmm. And if they would stop calling me Mr. Douglas, mm. I think it would be okay. And so some people say, well, why do you take it so personally? That I take it as personally as if you were called Mrs. Galloway. Right. So right. I think one thing that they could do to fix that is do just like USAA, the insurance company, call us by a rank. Mm -hmm. We earned it. It will be ours for the rest of our life. Mm -hmm. Call us by a rank. That way, when you're standing out there going, Mr. Douglas, in the GYN clinic, Mr. Douglas, 
Mm-hmm. And Mr. Douglas never answers. That's wow. because, first of all, Mr. Douglas shouldn't be in the GYN yeah, clinic, clinic right, unless right. there's some transformation going mm. on. But other than that, how about you look out there and go, you know what, this is a women's clinic, so it's probably going to only be women. It takes a little bit of time to just say, this is an important person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't think of myself as important. I think of World War II and Korean and all the soldiers that are coming back from Afghanistan and uh, Iraq as important. I'm uh, a vet. Right. They've done something really important. Mm-hmm. And you. <laughs> well, I, uh, first of all, we served. Uh, but I think that when we're talking about health care and respect, that we need to do a better job in the country as well. Mm-hmm. Because it doesn't just stop or start because you're a veteran. I mean, it's all of us. Mm-hmm. It, it, we serve, but we have families, and we have friends, and we have children. So if it's taking care of the health care and the needs of all of the citizens of the country, then we won't have this issue because then we'll all take care of each other. Yeah, right. good point. What are your uh, what is your feelings on uh, the recent uh, uh, forty five one not going to the cemetery in France uh, and him or Pence not attending the veterans uh, service at the Arlington uh, Cemetery? Well, first of all, he's still our commander in chief. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't think that was very honorable. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't. Mm-hmm. I think walk the talk. Mm-hmm. If the talk to get you voted in is about veterans <coughs> and the military and you're the commander in chief, walk the talk. A little rain. Think about the soldier that's in the um, foxhole and it's pouring down rain. Mm-hmm. And they're standing there and they're getting trench foot because they have not changed socks in a couple of days. So if a little rain is messing up your hairdo, I've got a rain cap in my purse. <laughs> I don't need it. I've got locks. <laughs> I'm good. Right, right. <laughs> but umbrellas, yeah. that's what an umbrella is for. Mm-hmm. And so well, he has problems with an umbrella because I don't know if you've seen where he couldn't close the umbrella. When I he got did see that. First, he just, I just threw it <laughs> But uh, there are no excuses. There, you know, like like Captain Lytle said, he is our commander-in-chief, and that's the only way I can accept him is as my commander-in-chief. Mm-hmm. However, he has to be the actual commander-in-chief. There is no excuse to not have gone to a cemetery on all of the days over the past weekend. Yeah, because, I mean, that has been a tradition of all the presidents before him um, going there and paying respects and uh, to honor those who have made the ultimate sacrifice That's right. uh, for this country. And it all is, uh, gave some and some gave all. Mm-hmm. So if it's too much, if it's just a little bit too much for you, we know a president that'll go out in the rain. Right. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. President Barack Obama uh, would definitely not shirk his uh, responsibility. brown sugar melts in the rain. <laughs> <laughs> Now, what do you what do you um, what do you say to others who think have an idea they might want to go into the military? What would you what would you say to them? I would like to uh, answer that one because I, uh, for years now, have had a, a different take on 
uh, our country and how we serve. If a young man has to fill out his papers uh, at age 18, because he has to selective service, whatever they call it, selective service, and, and you have this your finger on his pulse from the age of 18 to 26, if he does not get any kind of training, I'm not advocating that he needs to go in the military, but I'm saying at that age, it should be a college course or a course that's given. It should probably be, it should be a pass-fail course. But each male that that becomes of that age should at least have, I say, opportunity because God forbid, you don't know when war happens or when there's going to be a takeover. It's in the Army they teach you one day your ally, the next day your enemy. Mm. So if you go on the bubble and anything happened, we're looking for these young men and women to be able to jump into action right away. They don't even know anything. They don't even know how our country run. Mm. They don't even know the civic order of it, how our government is structured. Mm -hmm. So how can we ask them to put their name on the line and, and be ready to do this. We're not asking them, we're actually telling them because we're not giving them any tools. And all I'm saying is just make them knowledgeable of why it is important for us to protect our country and how we got here. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know from my standpoint as a, a African-American, we know some of the struggles and knowing some of the struggles and things, you're not wanting to just sit here and not know anything. If if something happens, you at least need to be aware of it. And since you have to be registered, give them the opportunity to know why they're registering and why it is important to be a good citizen in this country. Mm -hmm. That's right. really good. That's really good. I'm a member of the um, American Legion, Travis L. Williams, post 65, hoo-ah. Mm -hmm. um, and so we had a float in the parade this year, and what we had were, well, because it was a 100th year anniversary of the armistice, we had notable black soldiers. Mm. And those were people who fought to fight. Mm -hmm. They fought this country in order to fight for this country. And then they went and gave their lives for this country. Some of them came back and still had to fight the country. But what was really um, inspiring to me was as I was doing the research for the soldiers, other countries respected them and right. requested them right. to work with them. Mm -hmm. The Harlem, um, the Harlem fight, Hell yeah. Fighters, mm -hmm. and then we got... Um, um, Oh my God! The first black general, General oh, um, no, Davis, Davis, mm -hmm. and the father of the first black general. Mm -hmm. One's the army, and one's the air force. So they were both Davises, though. And other countries respect sometimes respect us more than we are respected in our own country. They say a king has no honor in his own land. Mm. So, like Captain Lytle said, if we would teach the people who have to sign up, because they do still have to sign up from 18 to 26, they don't get financial aid, they mm. don't get housing, they don't get a lot of things, they being males. So I don't know where we're gonna go in a few years if we're gonna have a draft, God forbid, for both males and females. 
but they're not going to we're not going to be ready as a country if we don't teach them something now right right You're right and most of the jobs while every everybody talks about the front line mm-hmm. the front line is everywhere Right, right. And so I worked in communications. I'm the first person they want to take out mm-hmm. because who's mm-hmm. calling in the artillery fire? Right. Who's telling you where everything <clears throat> is? So they want to get rid of communications before they even get rid of the people with a weapon in front of them. Mm. You know, you were, you were talking about some of the other countries respect us more than our own country. I was listening to something the other day on NPR, and they were talking about, I believe it was in Holland, I don't know exactly, but this lady there no, with, with this this community was keeping up the the grave sites of African Americans <clears throat> at this place, and she wanted to know the back history of the people there. And, and it came to where um, she was doing research, and she was able to contact, find the the relatives of this one soldier, and they connected. And the the I think it was the grandson went over there. And he went to this house, and he saw his grandfather's picture on the wall, included with the rest of the mm-hmm. family. And the people there would teach the kids that they did this for us, and how much respect and he was. He was blown. I was blown apart. Well, they, they included him as part of the family. It's a remarkable story. Uh, and unfortunately, I wish that this country had as much respect for us as other uh, countries do as when we go in and serve and uh, for, serve for our own country. It's, it's just amazing. But as a people, we've <coughs> always served. Right, we've right. We've always served, yeah. regardless of how difficult it is mm-hmm, to serve. Mm-hmm. And as a woman, we still have always served because they're, who were the nurses? Who, were, who was taking care of them? Right. Back in the day, and who was giving orders? Captain, Captain Lytle. Yeah. Uh, and I was just going to uh, tell Floyd, I mean, you know, in scouting, which we've had at our church for 27 years, uh, just learning about scouting and how it got started and some of the things, Baden Powell, mm-hmm. he learned a lot of the skills and things from the Africans. Right. Yeah, down the Zulu tribe. He's down in, in Africa, mm-hmm. South Africa. And you know, the people don't know Lord Baden Powell. He was the, what they say, quote unquote, uh, founder of, of scouting. But like you said, it was a rites of passage pro, right. uh, r- ritual in in Africa that he grabbed these tools from mm-hmm. and uh, and started scouting. So that's your history lesson for today, folks. That's right. We have a rich history. <laughs> rich history. I really appreciate you guys coming out and sharing your experiences with us here on the Alvin Galloway Show. Uh, women veterans and the significant impact and contributions they have made to uh, this country in, in all forms, shapes, and sizes. And we'd definitely love to have you come back. I mean, this has been, you know, the off-the-line part has just been amazing. <laughs> You know, we can't say all that on can't, the radio. You can't say it all on the radio. <laughs> we, and we talk about all the gamuts. Right, right. Yeah. So this is the Alvin Galloway Show. And as I always say, today's a great day to make somebody stay great. We'll see you uh, in the next time. 